Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 91st edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. CloudMask offers cost-effective and efficient data encryption for law firms, whether large or small, in Google Apps, Office 365, and other cloud solutions. Sign up now for your 60-day free account at cloudmask.com. We also thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. Today, our topic is result-oriented financial management for lawyers. We are happy to welcome John Yetzi as our guest. John has a wide breadth of experience in all areas of financial and administrative management with specific emphasis in the professional service environment. He spent 16 years as the administrator of McGuire Woods Battle and Booth, a 300 lawyer firm headquartered in Richmond, Virginia. In addition, he served as senior manager in the law firm consulting group at Pricewaterhouse and director of consulting services with Information Technologies Corporation. Mr. Yetzi is considered a national expert on law office management, particularly in the financial management area, and is the author of the third edition of Results-Oriented Financial Management. Thanks for joining us today, John. Thanks for having me, Jim and Sharon. It is a pleasure to be with you today. Well, let's start, uh, John, by asking you, how did you first get the idea to write Results-Oriented Financial Management for Lawyers? Actually, uh, by 1995, I had had about 23 years in the law office management business, and I had given several speeches and had written several articles, and I just thought it was a good idea to put in writing what I had learned and developed over those years as both a manager of a law firm and as a consultant, I really never thought that uh, it would last this long and that in 2015 I would be publishing the third edition. So uh, interestingly enough, when you do a book in accounting, unlike a legal book, the very seldom do the issues change, so it was, wasn't that difficult to keep the book current and updated on a relatively annual, you know, current basis. Well, that's piqued my curiosity a little bit. How has the book changed over the last three editions? Are there technology changes that impact the book? There's no question that uh, technology uh, influenced what was in the book. In, in When I first published it in 1995, I had devoted an entire chapter on what I referred to as strategic technology planning, even though on a scale of 1 to 10, my actual technology knowledge is about a three or four. I did know enough, however, to provide some guidance to firms on dealing with the soon-to-be-exploding technology innovation. My my emphasis was not on the bits and the bytes, uh, but rather more in the area of strategic automation technology planning 
as it related to those issues that would impact the firm's bottom line. In the 2000 edition, that chapter was completely eliminated. It was no longer relevant. There have been a lot of advances in time and billing technology, which has influenced how firms record, bill, and collect for the work that they perform for their clients. All of my clients use the tab software, and over the years i developed several report writer reports that I share with others in a separate chapter of my book. There are a lot of other good systems out there as well. Well, John, I'm a fan of tabs too, so I'm with you. Uh, Tell us why this book is different from others, and obviously there are a number of books about financial management. What what makes yours uh, different? Well, I think what distinguishes my book from some of the others, and there are a lot of them out there and a lot of good ones, is that I consider mine to be a how-to book. If you want to develop an owner compensation system for your firm, you go to a specific chapter in the book and find out how to do it. If you want to set profitable billing rates or begin producing an annual budget, there are chapters in the book that deal with those areas and explains exactly how to do it. I believe that has been the major reason for the success of the book and why after 20 years it continues to sell, and I think that's why the ABA asked me to create the third edition in 2015. Is this a book just for lawyers, or can anyone in business benefit from reading it? Jim, actually, I I believe the ABA uh, has failed to recognize that the majority of purchases of this book are not attorneys, but rather non-attorney law firm managers. Uh, I've I've gotten some comments from, from attorneys, but quite frankly, most of the questions and comments on my book have come from non-attorneys. That's why I have devoted some chapters of my book specifically to that group. In fact, when the 2015 edition came out, the ABA questioned me as to why some of the chapters were in there, believing that attorneys would have no interest in them. However, I I convinced them that most of the sales of the book will be by non-attorneys, since as a general rule, most attorneys have no real interest in this subject. Recently, I had the occasion to speak at the National Convention of the Association of Legal Administrators in Nashville and to a group of administrators in Orlando. In in both instances, there was great interest in my book. John, I think there are a lot of major issues today, but in in small or mid-sized firms, what would you identify as the primary issues? Sharon, that that is a good question, and I think uh, the answer needs to be put in perspective with what I consider to be the types of practices in which today's law firms are engaged. There are really two types, in my opinion. There are firms who have what I refer to as a client-based practice and those that have what I refer to as a case-based practice. Most larger firms have a client-based practice. They have a group of big clients for which they perform lots of different services and from whom they know each year they're going to receive a certain level of revenue. These clients are institutional in the sense that they identify with the law firm and not with any particular attorney within the firm. That was the case in my old firm at McGuire Woods. So if an attorney should leave or terminate or retire for any reason, more than likely the client stays with the law firm. 
These are primarily business clients who then produce other work, whether it's litigation, employment law, tax law, etc. Smaller and mid-sized firms have what I refer to as a case-based practice. A case comes in the door, they perform the work, hopefully they get their fees, and then they wait for the phone to ring to get their next case. In most instances, these, this work comes from the efforts of specific individuals within the firm, either due to their expertise, their reputation, their access to the company owners, etc. As you know, in law firms today, there are finders, minders, and grinders, those who produce the work of the finders. And the challenge for the small to mid-sized firms is to make certain that these finders are properly compensated for their efforts, while at the same time making certain that another group of finders are coming up through the ranks to keep the firm open and profitable once the current group of finders are no longer there. So, so the compensation issue in the small and mid-sized firm becomes the single most important issue that I deal with, mostly with my clients, along with helping them to create the next generation of owners who can originate the business necessary to keep the firm open and profitable. You know, Jim, I know you have another question, but can you tell us, John, because I honestly don't know. I've, I've never heard the term finders, minders, and grinders. I get the finders. What are the minders and grinders? The minders are the people who are responsible for making sure that the work gets done on time, the clients get billed, they follow up on collections, they deal with the client on a day-to-day basis as issues come up. The, the, the grinders are the people who sit in the back room and do all the work. They do the, they do the briefs, they do the research, they write the, the memos, and they give the information to the partners who then present it to the client. So you got the finders, the people who get the work, the minders who manage it, and the, and the grinders who actually do it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the law firms have been around a long time operating successful businesses. After all these years, why do we still have those types of issues? Well, Jim, uh, you know, in in my mind, compensation will be an issue forever and will never go away. It's interesting that, uh, you know, when when I talk to firms, when, when times are good and most lawyers feel like they're being fairly compensated for their services, it is not that much of an issue. It becomes a real issue, however, when times are not so good, and attorneys believe that for whatever reason, they are not being fairly treated. That is when people start getting upset, they leave the firm, and in many cases takes clients with them who do identify with specific attorneys rather than the firm itself. Uh, You need to recognize, and I think most lawyers fail to recognize, that owner compensation has nothing to do with actual dollars. It is strictly a relationship issue. I don't care how much you make, so long as I make twice as much as you do. If you make 100000 then I want to make 200000 etc. So, So when I go into a firm and talk to them about compensation, I don't necessarily look at how much individuals make necessarily. I look how much they make in relation to other people in the firm. And so it is a question of relationships and not in actual dollar amounts. Let's pause here for a commercial break and then we'll be right back. 
In recent years, the legal sector has come under increasing pressure to improve efficiency and client services. CloudMask enables law firms and solo attorneys to leverage free and low-cost software as a service, such as Google Apps and Office 365, to improve efficiency and client service while reducing costs, strengthening compliance with data privacy laws, and ensuring that legal ethical duties are met. CloudMask encryption is even certified by 26 governments around the world. Sign up now for your 60-day free account at cloudmask.com. Com. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the country. Connect your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit servenow.com. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is results-oriented financial management for lawyers, and our guest is John Yetzi, the author of Results-Oriented Financial Management, published by the American Bar Association. John, it's been my observation that lawyers care about how much they take home, but do they really, these law firm owners, do they really display an interest in the details of financial management? Sharon, as I alluded to earlier, I I do not believe that most law firm owners care much about the details. So long as they're getting their check each month in an amount that they believe is fair in relation to everybody else, they really could care less about the details. You, You always find in a law firm one or two partners who have a real interest in law firm management, but generally they leave that up to the the firm administrator. The problem is that there has to be someone in the firm at the owner level who needs to be involved and needs to understand the financial and management aspects of managing the firm. Unfortunately, in, in the smaller firms, and I deal with in the firms in the 5 to 25 range all the time, this person doesn't exist. And so that's why managing several firms at the same time, which I do as a matter of course, has been proven to be successful. I've been able to assume this CFO position in a small or mid-sized firm at a reasonable cost so they don't have to worry about the finances. All they need to know, and I help them with it, is to how to read and interpret the reports that I provide and then to make the final decisions that are necessary to make sure that the firm stays on track. Once you give advice to a law firm, John, do they really follow it? And if they don't, do you understand what goes wrong? Well, this is an excellent question too, Jim, and the answer lies in whether there's someone in-house that can implement the recommendations that I make. I talk to potential clients all the time, and I tell them that if they don't have someone in-house that's going to follow up on my recommendations, or more importantly, if the firm does not have the will or the agreement from everyone to make changes, then they're better off not hiring me because it's going to be a waste of their money and my time. Uh, On several occasions, I have actually lost potential clients because they were unwilling to make that commitment. 
since I deal mainly with small to mid-sized firms, oftentimes there's no one there to handle the implementation of changes, which in many firms are fairly significant. So what I do is I offer implementation services, and then after that's finished, I may go about hiring someone in the firm to carry on once I have left. Well, one thing you share with Jim and myself is that we've all been around for a while. So, John, how have law firm financial problems, how are they different today than when you started the business in 1972? Well, I think the issues are basically the same. They're probably handled in different ways. The question is, how can a small to mid-sized firm continue to serve whatever clients it has at a price the clients can afford, and at the same time, make sure that the owners of the firm get the kind of compensation that they believe they deserve. Now, obviously, from a mechanical perspective, technology has allowed firms to better understand the issues, and they've had the ability to receive a lot more information that permits them to solve problems before they become unsolvable. The problem, again, is having someone there that can interpret the information and know what changes need to be implemented. Depending on the area of the country, chances are there are too many attorneys for the amount of work to be performed. So therefore, all the law firms are out trying to get the same business. In addition, you have the problems of accelerating billing rates, as well as work being performed by non-attorneys which makes it difficult to continue to get new business, especially, as I alluded to earlier, the firm is a case-based firm as opposed to a client-based firm. You hear attorneys saying all the time, and I've been hearing this for 40 years, that they have to operate more like a business. My attitude is what they need to do is not operate like a business, but rather operate more business-like. Many firms still manage their firms at with what I refer to as a checkbook mentality. So long as there's enough money in the bank to pay the bills and pay the owners, then everything is fine. The problem is, is when the funds get depleted, the firm has no idea why or what to do to correct the problem. They then take the easy way out, which is to borrow money. And in many cases, these borrowed funds are used to pay themselves. For many firms, this could be the beginning of the end. I want to make one point as it relates to technology. For 20 years now, I've been preaching to firms to stop building by the hour and use some other method. Unfortunately, the profession, and we are probably the only profession compared to the engineers and the accountants as a whole that have not been very successful in doing that. Thus, all this money that's spent on technology to produce a better product in less time has benefited the clients, which may be good, but not necessarily affected the firm's bottom line number. This is not easy, and I devote a whole chapter in my book on this subject. In my own practice, I never bill by the hour. If I did, my billing rate would be so high that no one would ever hire me. Because of my experience in prior work product, I could never make any money charging a billing rate that my clients would accept. So generally, I give my clients a fixed fee and tell them what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it, what they're going to get when I'm done, and how long it's going to take you know, to, to do it. 
generally they will say, well, how many hours is that going to be? And I, and generally I tell them it doesn't make a difference. As long as you're happy with what I'm going to charge you, how long it's going to take is irrelevant. If you combine all this with the idea that attorneys, especially at the associate level, are not working as hard as they did in 1972, you can see that the financial dilemma is very real for many firms. Well, John, you're hired by law firms, and, and when they hire you, what's the number one issue that most law firms want guidance on, and what's your number one tip for them? Well, once we get through just solving some of the internal issues, we we get back to this issue of alternative billing. And, and I tell my, my clients to do what I do, and I tell them I don't get paid for what I do. I get paid for what I know. Experienced attorneys need to understand that and to gauge their billing habits on that concept. If they continue to bill by the almighty billing rate, then they're never going to realize the benefits of their experience, their expertise, and they're never going to be able to take advantage of all these major technological advances that have significantly changed the practice of law and how clients are served. One significant example is in the area of legal research. I was part of a group of firm managers that went to Minnesota in 1978 to meet with representatives of West Publishing when they were making the decision to convert their research materials into a digital form, which eventually became Westlaw. There's also Lexus and there's others as well. So research that took two hours now may take 15 minutes. Unfortunately, the attorneys charge 15 minutes, thus the client gets the benefit, which again might be good, and the attorney loses almost two hours of billable time. This is one example of the problem in my opinion, of not taking technology into account when determining fees that are charged for client services. I think one of the things we need to ask you is how do people buy your book, John? <laughs> well, they can go online to ABA and get and buy it. Uh, they can also, uh, within about two or three months, it'll also be on Amazon, and they can go on there and buy it as well. Yeah, so just go to the ABA web store. That's the easiest thing to search on, I think, to buy yeah, jobs. that's probably the easiest way and probably the, the least expensive way to get it. Uh, and I really enjoyed reading your book, John. I want to thank you for sharing some of your expertise with us today. I particularly hear the, the point about hourly billing being really not the way to go, alternative billing, and really recognizing the value you provide for your clients. That's a, a very important thing. Thank you so much for being with us as our guest. Well, thanks for having me, Jim and Sharon. That does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Ms. Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to the Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.